0: Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast, Trent and Biz take a look at the window of opportunity. Has it closed for Iowa? Staff Boy goes to work. He's got some information about just how historically inept this Iowa offense is. We'll do that and we'll make our picks for the week presented by Bet Online. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Trent Condon. That's my buddy, Biz. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for Thursday, October 13th. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes Your first listen each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Biz, here we are at the bye week. Three and three on the season, a nine six loss to an Illinois team that I guess has some positive momentum, but another game that was there for the taking. Frustrations abound. We heard. As uh, we sit here on a Wednesday, Brian Ferentz was talking to the media earlier today in Iowa City, and, well, not a whole lot of changes appear to be on the horizon for this Hawkeye offense. Frustration, certainly one of the more frustrating years we can remember in a long time.
1: Yeah, I think Brian just got off the podium, and he he did not walk up there and just uh, announce he was quitting and storm off. So uh, we're, we're stuck with him for another six weeks at least, Trent, so... You know, as you know, I, I was in Boise, Idaho for, for a wedding this last weekend, and I had every opportunity to just avoid watching the game. But you know, the thing about Iowa football is that the, they're so bad offensively right now. It's kind of like watching – it's kind of like going by a bad car accident. Right? You just can't take your eyes off it. I, I kept getting sucked back in and unfortunately watched uh, way more of it than I probably should have because, you know, it's – one of those things you knew you knew what was going to happen you you know you just can't uh, you can't take your eyes off it but you know to me the bigger frustration wasn't what happened on the field on saturday it was uh the comments that, that were made by by Kirk Ferentz afterwards i mean to me that was you know where the where the program you know, that jumped the shark basically on saturday <laughs> night because it, it went from straight stubbornness to to just pure arrogance on saturday night i i just his post game reminding the media that they won 10 games last year just were incredibly arrogant and condescending. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like we're uh, in the movie groundhogs day, Trent, it's the same thing every week, but you know, this, it went from stubbornness to arrogance and and that's when it becomes a major
0: problem. And the digging down, you know, we, we had fun with Kirk as he's gotten older and, leaving the timeouts in Minnesota and all those things are all well and good when you're winning football games. But when things start to go south and they're certainly heading that direction right now, those things that were kind of cute and fun and, and fun things to talk about, it, it quickly goes the other way. And you mentioned the, the arrogance about that we Won 10 games last year. I, I'm surprised you didn't know that. And just the tone that he used, the question who got, what coach was it that got the, the uh, personal foul call against them? The unsportsmanlike conduct, it was Brian. But he won't even say it. He won't even say his name, and that those are the things that make this nepotism angle look even worse. When he won't even say it was him, it's a simple response, right? Luke Lachey, he got the unsportsmanlike. They said his number, and we all know who it was. But for Kirk, not even answer the question. He was two different times. He was asked, was it on Brian? Was it somebody else? He said, well, you guys saw. He won't even say his name. It just that struck me as somebody that is again feeling how to touch. He's feeling old. He's feeling suddenly. Yeah. They won 10 games last year. I get that. You're also blown out in three of them. And the other one, you let slip away against Kentucky, a game that absolutely should have won. You're blown out by Purdue, Wisconsin and Michigan in three losses in conference play, just not being able to see the forest through the streets. They said they were going to double down on themselves this year. Uh, that thing has not worked out. That has come up craps for him this season.
1: Well, and, and Trent, we have, we talked about it after the Central state game, you know, People, you know, the nation laughed at us then, but I mean they're it's gone beyond laughs now. I mean, we are a full-on national joke at this point. You know, I don't know if you watch the College Football Inquirer or listen to the College Football Inquirer podcast, but it's got you know three of the big national names, the you know, Wetzel and Ford and the guy from, from Sports Illustrated. It, it, you know, this week, you have one of the bigger games of the year, Alabama holds off Texas AM and literally the last play of the game. And that wasn't even their lead story. Instead, the lead story was eight minutes of Iowa football laughing about uh, how ridiculous we are and talking about, you know, the, the absurd, whatever it was, 15 play minus 15 yard field goal drive we had with the, with the two punts or two turnovers combined in there. And then, you know, just talking about the arrogance and the nepotism that we're, that we're talking about right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible how, uh, how, how the nation looks at us right now and they're right to I mean, Yeah. I, there's no, there's no points to argue back on the other side. There's, there's just no, uh, I mean, <laughs> we talked about it before. There's no you know rarely in the world right now to get a hundred percent of the people agreeing on something. But, uh, right now we're, we're there's not a single person that, that you can't, you can't justify what's going on with this program in any way right now.
0: So, uh, this comes from our buddy uh, Shitz, who's uh, right now listening, was listening to the podcast. And Brian, when uh talked about Padilla coming in there, Spencer Petras has been the quarterback for every single snap this year, which in its own right is ridiculous. But we talked about that plenty. But talking about Padilla, his mobility, if that is something that could help a struggling offensive line. And to paraphrase, when we scramble, it turns into backyard football, which our offense isn't built for and can't handle. You put an offensive system in place, that can't handle a mobile quarterback in 2022. Well, that's a fireball offense right there. We, we know that's not going to happen, but oh, come on. I just, blood pressure rising here, Biz. Yeah, just stay
1: off the internet for the next 30 <laughs> minutes. Focus here, focus. I know,
0: I just can't. I just, I just uh, I'm left scratching my head so many times. I got this question. I did a mailbag uh, podcast for yesterday's podcast, and somebody said, If Padilla was the quarterback, if he was the starter, starting in August, he got all the reps. What would Iowa's record be right now? I think they're five and one. I think they're five and one if Alex Padilla. I don't think Alex Padilla is great. That's not what this is. Spencer Peters is just so bad, and a guy that can move around just a little bit. Am I crazy here? Do you think Iowa's five and one if Padilla was the starter? I have no
1: clue. I mean, I have no clue with the quarterback. But I will say this, Trent, because I saw someone else posted this: we're two very debatable replay decisions away from being five and one anyway yeah i mean the body bomb fumble at the goal line was very debatable and then the fumble on on saturday night with the 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 scoop and score was very debatable as well you know those two decisions replays didn't go our way we're still probably five and one so whether it's padilla Petrus, i mean i don't know i i'm tired of talking about spencer Petrus because i think honestly he's played capable football the last and I'm tired of talking about him and it's he's the low-hanging fruit because he's the quarterback but it's the offensive line they're so bad this is I mean we've we've talked about it over and over and over we don't need to talk about it again but they're I mean they're junior college level bad right now they can't pick up stunts they can't pick up uh you know anybody blitzes I mean teams don't have to even blitz all they have to do is just send four from different locations and, and somebody's going to get home every single time. And when that, that happens, you, you're, you're so limited in what you can do. You can't throw deep. because we don't have time to do it, we, we, uh, we can't run the ball. We can't, uh, you know, you can't run screens because, you know, they're getting home with four, which means there's seven guys sitting back and waiting. I mean, you're, you know, you can only beat screens if people are blitzing on you people aren't even blitzing really on us. They're just sending four in different ways. And so, I mean, it, it's, it, we could talk about it all day, Trent, but let's let's move on from the debacle of Saturday and talk a little bit about bigger picture things.
0: Mm-hmm. Big picture, the window of opportunity and and what has been there. And this is something that has continued to come into my conversations here over the last couple of weeks. Is this Iowa football program that has had a big chance? Yep, got to the championship game last year, and and the loss to Michigan aside. Getting there, it was a great moment, but we've had this conversation a lot, and I know we're not alone, where Iowa football should have been better, as good as it's been over the last five years, and the wins, and the way they stack up against not just your Big Ten brethren, but across the country, it has been very successful, yet it feels like it should have been better, coupled with that window's now closing. And when these opportunities come around, you got to take advantage, and it feels like Iowa didn't take advantage of this window that's been there the last five years with this elite level defense.
1: Well, let's let's talk about the window, Trent. Because I mean, if you look back, I mean, it really has been an extended stretch of, of really good football for the University of Iowa, and we I don't want to forget that because it's been seven plus years. You go back to since 2015, we've been in the hunt and had at least hope for a Big Ten West championship every single year. Seven straight years. I mean, you look back to the last seven years, we've been first second, third, second, third, second, and first in the Big Ten West. Part of that is the Big Ten West is uh, not the greatest division in the world, but uh, I'm is, is that we've had good football teams. Uh, that's seven straight years in the top top half of a, your division, which that, that's not easy to do. When I mean, you look back at prior years of Iowa football, you know, we haven't had – we've had windows of three, four years, you know, from 2008 to 2010 there was a three-year window. From 2002 to 2005 there was a, a big four-year window there where we had great success but i mean you got to go back to the early 80s the, you know 80s to find a stretch where seven straight years of, of top half you know top half big 10 results for six seven years in a row and so i mean the fact of the matter is like you said could we have had more than two division titles yeah probably i mean do we miss out on some opportunities absolutely but we've had you know, when it comes down to trends hope, we've had hope every single year for seven straight years. Every year there's been hope that, you know, we, we've got a chance. And right now it certainly feels pretty darn hopeless. And, you know, that hope is not there right now. And to be honest with you, you know, with no more divisions probably starting next year, it's, the road to getting championships is going to get a whole lot harder. And so it's it's hard right now to see where that hope's going to come the next couple of years because it's uh, – right now things look pretty hopeless. I mean, that window of opportunity certainly seems to have closed and and I'm not sure how quickly it's going to open again.
0: And that's where I am too. And it's very frustrating to to understand what you have and and what, what the future holds for this offense. If they stay status quo or if the changes are just, you know, a a few cosmetic things, but ultimately it's going to be the same kind of system, the same kind of things. Can you evolve and change and win at this level, the way that they're recruiting, you know, how, how much is quarterback and, and wide receiver recruiting is going to start to dry up. If they go to the transfer portal after this year, who's going to want to come play in this antiquated system? So you get into all those different things, excuse me, and it gets very scary, Biz.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the transfer portal, how in the world did we not go find an offensive lineman or two in the transfer portal? I mean, we talk about quarterback, which I get why we didn't bring in a quarterback because I can't imagine there's a bunch of quarterbacks knocking on our door waiting to come here, but you'd think we'd be an absolute dream for a for you know an established mid-major lineman who's played three mm-hmm. or four years to come in here as a senior and, and put some tape at, at Iowa football. I mean, yeah, we, we just obviously horribly misjudged what we had coming back for offensive linemen.
0: Yeah, and you know George Barnett, he's the second-year offensive line coach. I think there's got to be certainly some fingers pointed his way. This has not developed. The recruiting misses of 2018 and 2019 were basically you brought in I, I think six different guys and none of them. Are seeing any kind of moments. I mean, those are supposed to be your upperclassmen. Those are supposed to be your building blocks. The only guy still around is a walk-on, Nick DeYoung, and he was out last week with an injury, but still a walk-on, and that's all you're hoping for in two classes. I would can't afford that. Now, The Jeff Jenkins, the Cody Inces, those injuries have derived them. Tyler Endress have never worked for him. You just go through in that recruiting. It's been very, very poor, and it leads to where you are on Saturday, where you're starting four underclassmen, four sophomores, and outside of them, outside of that group, not a butt kicker and you know, Richmond. We thought he was turning the corner. That wasn't the case. Ellsbury, as he's gotten more snaps, he has not been the elixir that we were hoping for. It's just bad. It's bad up front. Wide receiver groups. Not good. Quarterback plays. Not good. I think the running backs are talented, but you just really can't see with what they're playing with right now. But Brian, he's not resigning. He, he couldn't look his kids in the eye. So we got him for at minimum six more weeks and it's going to be longer than that. Right? I don't, I don't anticipate a change this offseason. Am I just really? right now? No, oh, I
1: think you know. You talked about how close we were We talked about how close we were to five and one. You know, the silver lining to me, Trent, of us not being five and one, is, is I think there's there's changes coming. You, I, I've talked about it before. I think you're going to see a mutual agreement where Brian Ferentz, uh goes and finds a job in the NFL, and they they try to spin it as a a, a new position for him. So I there's no way he's coming back this year. I, I, I just I, I can't fathom it. It, it maybe that's just me being a uh, foolish and, and, and ignorant about the situation but i feel like we, we've we've officially hit the point where it, it, there's no there's no coming back from this right now i guess miraculously maybe we you know if we we lose to ohio state and then somehow miraculously win the next five i guess that could could change things but it's not happening well uh, you know we'll talk about the, how historically bad the offense is and you'll realize Trent uh, things are going to get worse the next six weeks. Not better.
0: Okay. Well, here we go. We're going to talk about that as we continue step boy. He has gone to work. We'll put Stat boy in charge of putting together a look back and how historically inept this Iowa offense is. That's as we continue here on the lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, bet online, your number one source for football betting information. This season, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check on your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, the playoffs are here, MMA, boxing, golf, NBA, NHL, they're getting started all at Bet BetOnline. Bet BetOnline.net is where you can go online or just jump on your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts biz we will make our bet online picks coming up here a little bit later in the show but before that let's talk about this offense and the numbers that are damning i've seen a few things out there online just how ugly it has been this season but i know stat boy went to work and as always he came up with a treasure trove of information
1: yeah during during the bye weeks trent i like to put stat boy to work because we got nothing else to talk about and so most of what i've seen online and i assume you've seen as well is just talking about this year's offense but i, I always like to put it in a historical context and, and when you're talking history you got to turn to stat boy and so he he found some numbers trent that that confirm that not only has this been a bad offense but it is a historically unbelievably bad offense you ready to dig into the numbers
0: all right let's go into it this is not going to be fun but it actually
1: is kind of funny. You're going to hear some names and some some teams here that are just going to make you chuckle because it, it's all you can do at this point is laugh. I mean, and it's the names and infos is, is pretty alarming. So, all right, Trent, You quick question for you. You probably know it, but what, how many yards per game are we averaging this year?
0: Is it two two 230, something like that?
1: 238, 238.7 to be exact. We're midway through the year. We've got still some very good defenses to go against. You got Ohio State, Minnesota, um, Purdue's even a pretty good defense. Wisconsin's always a very good defense. So it's not it's not unfathomable to think that we may end the year with 238 yards per game. So the question for Statlow is very simple: since 2000, in the past 23 years now, how many teams have averaged less than 238.7 yards per game for an entire year? And you're ready for the uh, the pretty alarming info? Zero. No, it, it, it's happened. It, it happens okay. occasionally, but it but it's who it happens to that, that's alarming. So it's happened 14 times in the last 22 years. This is the legendary group that it's happened to, Trent. It's happened to New Mexico, UMass, UTEP, Wake Forest, Miami of Ohio, Florida International, New Mexico State, Central Florida, Florida International, a second time, North Texas, Stanford, Temple, and Rutgers.
0: Who's who of college football?
1: Yeah, those are that, the who's who of college football. But this is where it gets fun. Get kind of a, a top five of, of amazing info of those 14 teams. The total record of those 14 teams that that uh 238 yards or less, 22. And 137. <laughs> if you do the math, that's average about 1.5 wins per year and average about 9.8 losses per year. So uh the fact that we're three and three is, is an absolute miracle.
0: Not trending in a positive direction for the back half of the year.
1: Nope. So looking at it even closer, only one team of those 14 has ever in, in the entire group. One more than our current three wins. That was uh, George O'Leary's Central Florida Knights back in 2008. They somehow found a way to get to four and eight. So uh, again, the the numbers keep trending the way they are. uh, It ain't gonna. uh, We keep fooling ourselves that maybe we can somehow get to a bowl game or get to seven wins or something like that. But uh, four and eight is the gold standard for the uh, (laughs) the the yards that we're looking at right now. So even more amazing, we dig into any more even even deeper only four of those 14 teams won more than one game that year so you're talking 10 of the 14 won either one or went over four of the 14 are over so uh that's only two of the 22 teams were power five schools you're looking at 2006 stanford and 2014 wake forest those are the only two times that a power five school has averaged less yards than we have So. Pretty amazing. But then this is the real kicker, Trent. I I had Stat Boy dig into the 14 different coaches that were involved to find out basically what happened to those 14 coaches after these historically awful offensive seasons. So when you dig into it, here's the info. Here's the 14 coaches, four of them were in their first season. So justifiable that, you know, yep. cupboards bare, you, you got to, you know, you got to take your lumps for them, including Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. He mm-hmm. uh, obviously has, has done quite well, but four in their first season, two of them were in their second season and, and survived after that second season, didn't get fired. But then you've got two of them that were fired mid-season, five of them that were fired at the end of the season. So there's half of them. Only one, of the 14 was actually an established coach who survived after the year and that was again good old george o'leary who, who's most famous for what trent
0: o'leary well lying right about his yeah, resume lying
1: yeah he, he yeah. was the coach of notre dame for like what three days before they exactly. found out that he blatantly lied in his resume so uh the other 13 coaches were either just starting off or got canned so uh yeah that leads me to believe i think we all agree kirk's not leaving so somebody's got to leave there can't the status quo isn't going to stay there so that's why i'm i'm of the belief that brian's gone at the end of this year but you know maybe not so so there's your your historical breakdown and to tie a bow on it trent let's let's talk about the iowa breakdown stat boy looked you want to guess what the lowest yards per game was ever in the Hayden and Kirk era. So we're talking about 45 years. What's the lowest yards per game annually that we've ever had?
0: Well, I would guess it would maybe be something either early on in Hayden or early on in Kirk. 2004, no, they couldn't run the football. I would just be taking a guess, though. What do you got?
1: Early Kirk. We The first year we averaged 266. That's That's the lowest ever. Only twice in the entire Hayden and Kirk era, have we averaged less than 300 yards per game? So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to have average what 360 or something in the last six games to to avoid uh, the dreaded under 300 mark. But th- this is the funny thing. My my dad talks all the time about how god awful Iowa football was before Hayden. So I, the the numbers back that up. In the 70s, from 1970 to 1978, we never. Average more than 288 yards a game. In five of those seasons, they averaged less than 250. So uh, (laughs) it it puts into perspective just how awful Iowa football was. But uh, we've got a chance to beat all those teams if we we keep it up. So uh, historically, historically bad offense.
0: What a world. What a world. Anything else for Snapboy? No, that's it.
1: That, that's the, the breakdown. So we're, we're in some, some fine company with the uh, New Mexico, New Mexico States, and the Florida Internationals of the world right now.
0: Oh, just wonderful. Just wonderful. We'll try to turn it around here a little bit. We got our picks coming up here. Also a basketball question for you, Biz, as uh, Big Ten Basketball Media Day was yesterday. I want to get a quick thought on you on that. That's as we continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast. All right, Biz, back with you one final time as we talk Iowa football with you on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, also a little basketball. We'll make our picks for the week presented by Bet Online. but great hearing from the uh, crew, Brad Underwood. I don't know if you saw it, but he uh, mentioned, hey, somebody asked him if he had a street fight, you know, who'd show up with you? And he said, I'd take Connor McCaffrey, which was uh, cool to see. We, uh, of course, saw Connor nose to nose with one of his players a couple of years back with the Illini, but I'm excited about this basketball team. I don't think they're going to be great. They'll be entertaining once again. And I think they're a tournament team, again, at very minimum.
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head, Trent. Entertaining. They're going to be an entertaining team. And, you know, two teams were at media day yesterday. You know, you got the men and the women both. Women are going to be unbelievably entertaining this year. And so that, to me right now, is the most important thing because football has been such a (laughs) – whatever the exact opposite of entertaining is – so I'm just looking forward to actually having some excitement and and, and enjoying some fun basketball. Are they going to be, you know, a, a perfect team? Are they going to win the big 10? Like they somehow did last year, probably not, but they are going to be entertaining. They're, they're going to be able to put, uh, you know, four, four, six, eight guys with length out there at the same time and, and create some matchup problems. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm excited. I think they're a fun group. I think it's a group that can, uh, can can win their share of games and uh, be a fun team to, to cheer for for the next three four months because God knows the Iowa fan base needs some fun right now.
0: And then we can go from complaining about the offense to complaining about the defense, and we'll just uh, flip <laughs> flop roles. No, and- <laughs> I'm right
1: not so not not gonna complain. We're uh, so uh, yeah yeah. we sounds- uh, you know, we we know it's coming. We know the defense is gonna be be shaky unless it's if all if, as long as it's serviceable. I won't complain.
0: Well, the saving grace for me is I have been terrible betting college football this year has been Iowa unders, live betting Iowa unders and and made a pile of bets during the course of the Iowa-Illinois game on Saturday. So I will not be able to get right uh, with my terrible bets that I make throughout the course of the week. But I got you last week, uh, last uh, picks. I actually was on the winning side of things. No Iowa game to bet on this week, but we have Alabama-Tennessee, our best bet of the week. Let's start right there, alabama Tennessee. I still feel we just have to know what's going to happen, obviously, at the quarterback spot for Alabama. It's very difficult to make a handicap in this football game. And in the back of the mind, I loved what Tennessee did last week. I was all over LSU a week ago. I thought it was a huge look-ahead spot for Tennessee. They came out there right away and just absolutely demolished LSU and did it on the road. Very impressive effort there. But I continue to cling with these memories of the new kid on the block, the young team coming up to get Saban, whatever it is, and Saban and Alabama time after time after time, just putting their face into it. I'm going to go the same direction this week. I'm going to lay it with Alabama, though. I still obviously have to wait for Bryce Young and see what his determination is going to be for the for the point spread. I want to actually put a bet in.
1: Yeah, my, honestly, my thought process is about the exact same as yours. The, the the thing to me is Alabama rarely, if ever, puts together two shaky efforts in a row. I think sometimes uh, Saban loves when they and they either stumble or almost stumble because that get, he he can uh, as he calls it the, the rat poison so mm-hmm. i think you're going to see alabama's best effort this week and, and i think it's down to seven or i even saw six and a half in places because uh okay. it's uh you know because of the unknown with with young so give me alabama but uh you know I, again i wouldn't right now i wouldn't touch the spread one way or the other just until you until you know what's going on with with bryce young
0: yeah, makes a whole lot of sense. Best bet of the week. Last week, I hit with Texas A&M getting that cover against Alabama. You went with the Cornhuskers, and you did not get a win there. As They won it by two, and you were laying three. That's a tough one to swallow, though. They usually could have been down like 21-0 at the half in that football game, too, against Rutgers. Oh, boy. Black Friday. Yeah, that, that, was, is- that was some
1: bad. I, I watched the vast majority of that game while sitting in an outdoor bar in Boise, and that was some bad football. Wow. That's a... <laughs> you know, some, somebody had to win. And unfortunately Nebraska did.
0: What is your bet of the week? What's your best bet that you're looking at right now?
1: I'm doubling down, Trent, Utah was my, I I picked Utah last week in our game of the week and uh, it failed on me, but, uh, give me Utah again this week. I, I I, kind of the same thing I talked about with Bama. Kyle Whittingham's teams rarely, if ever, uh, play poorly two weeks in a row. And, uh, I think they're going to come out and, uh, and, and stomp USC. I think USC has been very lucky in a variety of different ways. I think Caleb Williams is due to make some mistakes. And I think this is one where Utah wins by double digits.
0: I buy that. In fact, I'm going to be, that's going to be a family play. Cause I'm going to jump aboard with you on that one. And uh, we're going to be in the same game, but not for our purposes here. My bet online best bet of the week. It is Iowa state. They're getting 17. They have not blend blown out in a big 12 game in six years. Texas is better. Iowa state, they have their own issues offensively, but I just don't see the longhorns blowing them out in this game. I think it's going to be ugly. They'll win by seven, 10, something like that. But ultimately getting 17, that is just too much. Give me Iowa state for my best bet of the week. I know you love that.
1: Yeah. I, I always, honestly, I, I, over the years, I've bet quite often on Iowa state, but I don't know what to think of them right now. This feels like kind of a make or break game for them. Either they <laughs> hang in for four quarters and, uh, fight and you know they're the most together team of all time or or, or things implode for them this week the thing i noticed with them is 100 deckers has gotten worse every single week and, yeah. and that's that's the thing that would scare me and that's why i'm not saying not saying you're wrong but i'm not sure i'd be real confident putting money on the clones right now either
0: let's wrap things up here as we finish up and it is time once again for another business beat well trump business beat uh goes back to baseball because
1: uh know, as you know, the playoffs started this week and and my Mets uh, in in classic Mets fashion didn't even make it to the uh, real start of the playoffs. They, they got, they got knocked out by the mighty San Diego Padres. So, you know, they, uh, as a Mets fan, I should get used to it. Just like as an Iowa fan, you should get used to historically bad offenses. As a Mets fan, I should get used to uh, being disappointed, but uh, it it sucks because rarely do you get a hundred win season out of a Mets or a twins team. And then they, they end with a whimper. So, uh, an all around truly awful sports weekend for, uh, for my team. So it can can only go up from here.
0: Well, look at that positivity. That's how we're going to end things here today. We'll be back next week with more with biz as we will. We'll talk more basketball next week with the bye week and figure out, is there a way for Iowa to beat Ohio state? I think we know the answer to that one. Thanks a lot. Biz. We'll talk again next week. All right. Go Hawks.